Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanyap. That's Creole for something extra. At first, it seems like a familiar story of office politics, but very soon, the other black girl unfolds into a tension-filled tale, exploring performative diversity policies, unconscious bias, microaggressions, and old-fashioned backstabbing. Author Zakia Dalila Harris's pitch-perfect dialogue, pop culture witticisms, and sharp-edged satire frames the plot of one black woman's path to success, disrupted by the hiring of another black woman. The other black girl is Zakia Dalila Harris's debut novel and our July selection for Bookmarked, the Under the Radar Book Club. And Zakia joins me now. Where are you at this moment in New York? Hi, yes, I am in Brooklyn. Very good. I'm so delighted to have you. Well, I love the book. It was fabulous. It's uh, such an engrossing read. I pretty much did it in one sitting, so I just want to let you know that at the oh. beginning. <laughs> oh, thank you. That means so much to me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. So I want to start this way for our listeners. Tell me about the main characters, Nella and Hazel. Yeah, yeah. So... I mean, Nella is a young 26-year-old editorial assistant. She's been the only Black person working at this very prestigious, very, very, very white publishing house in the heart of Manhattan. So she is very much, you know, getting all of the microaggressions, getting all of, you know, just the, the stressors that come with being a Black person working in this very white space where you don't have anyone else that you feel like you can talk to about your, your experiences. So uh, Nella is originally, I feel like I should add, originally from New England. She's from Connecticut, raised in the suburbs, mostly around white people. So she's also, while working at Wagner can be a lot, she's also had experiences navigating white spaces for a lot of her life. So, so she's working at Wagner when Hazel, another young black woman who is from Harlem, um, has all of that Harlem cool, beautiful <laughs> dreadlocks, um, is just, in my opinion, not everyone's opinion, but she's just more confident and cooler than Nella is. Um, she's hired to work in the cubicle next to Nella's. Nella's like, great, this is going to be so much fun. I have an ally. I have someone to complain with all of these white people who don't get it. Um, but of course, that does not happen. I will leave it at that. <laughs> well, we're not going to give away a lot of stuff here, but I first would love you to read the first face-to-face introduction between the two, which is on page 26. Yeah. All right. Face-to-face, Nella could see Hazel had one inch, maybe two on her. Today, her locks were free of any constraints, spouting spiritedly from her scalp and pouring down the back of her baby blue blazer. Nella grew suddenly aware of her own wrinkled gray V-neck t-shirt underneath an even more wrinkled gray sweater, of her keds, dirty and basic. Welcome to Wagner. I've heard such marvelous things about you. Vera nodded in Maisie's direction. 
You're working for a great one here. Maisie batted a hand in a gesture of, oh, stop it. Yes, I know, said Hazel. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here at Wagner. I almost can't believe it's happening. And we're excited to have you. Where are you coming from? Nella cringed ever so slightly, embarrassed for her boss, and worried that Hazel would be scared away so soon. That question. Oh, how publishing people loved that question. She'd first been asked this question by Josh, Wagner's sales director, at the Keurig. Noah hadn't known what he'd meant, so she'd mentioned her Connecticut hometown, telling him pretty much everything about it, just short of its geographical coordinates. She only understood when Josh said to her, a bit impatiently, ah, interesting, and where in publishing did you last work? Nella had looked down at Zora Neale Hurston's face, printed on the side of a coffee mug her mother had gifted her, and said, nowhere. I was in food service, she'd clarified, and that had been the end of questioning. But Hazel provided the appropriate prerequisite, a small magazine in Boston. I lived there for two years and decided to come back here a few months ago. I like New York too much, and I wanted to return to the nonprofit that I started up in Harlem back in the day. Maisie nodded with noticeable pride. Nella, in the meantime, marveled at Hazel's omission of what she presumed was another reason why she'd left Boston, because it was such a racist city. That is my guest, Zakia Delilla Harris, reading <laughs> from her debut novel, The Other Black Girl. So you have such an insight into publishing one assumes, because you used to work in publishing. Um, how much of your own experience is a, is a part of uh, at least the context of the two women and their stories? Yeah, you know, when I started writing this, I was really thinking about, first and foremost, what it would be like for two Black women to just come into contact in this kind of space, um, because I had actually had a similar moment happen right before I started writing this, where I was in the bathroom at work. Another black woman came out of the bathroom stall and I kind of thought maybe we'd have a moment of like, what's up? I'm here, you're here. We're here in this space together. Like, how did we get here kind of thing, you know? Um, but that didn't happen. And for whatever reason, you know, who knows? It's a bathroom, I get it. Uh, but I ended up going back to my desk and I was just thinking about that, that lack of interaction and also just thinking about myself and why that meant so much to me, why I had all of this writing on it in my head. Um, and the reason, of course, was because I was one of very few Black people working in publishing. I wasn't the only one, the way that Nella is, I didn't have it that bad, thankfully, uh, but I was the only Black woman working in editorial at the time, and that, that kind of feeling of every day enjoying what you're doing for the most part, but then looking around the table and seeing people who don't look like you, having these kind of conversations um, about, yes, we do need to be more diverse, but then um, there's a moment in the book I have uh, where they're talking about diversity town halls, right? And how those conversations can be very circular and never actually achieve anything. And that's something else that I did experience. They weren't as bad as that. But that kind of circular conversation of like, well, what does diversity even mean? Like all of those kind of things of really putting that on the back burner, not seeing that as something that really needed to get done. And so I, I experienced that fatigue 
as a black woman, as one of very few who then also knew that writing was my, my passion at the end of the day and trying to figure out if it was worth trying to stay there to be that black woman in editorial that they didn't have, if it was worth it to really kind of give up my own dream. And eventually I decided it, it wasn't for me. Mm. What was interesting to me is, you know, not one that understands the inside of publishing as you did from working there. I'm thinking to myself, there's so much has changed, it seems, from the outside, from those of us on the outside mm. in publishing. Mm-hmm. You know, we have so many different um, formats. Some new voices have risen up in what, and voices you never would have heard before. Uh, people mm. are getting their work out in different ways. And yet what you present in your book is, boy, it's the same <laughs> way they have done this for 100 years. No matter what's <laughs> going on in terms of the new voices and all that, it's the same way. That was a little startling. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, and that's what I really wanted to show, right, with with this generational, I mean, Kendra Ray and Diana, these two women who were at Wagner 30 years earlier. I mean, in a lot of ways, Nella has, Nella has it easier because, I mean, there's social media, there is Black Twitter, there is, I think, a, a much bigger market for Black natural hair. Um, she didn't have to feel like she had to change that part of herself, right? But but also so much hasn't changed. And the things that seem like they've changed, I think a lot of times have to do with the conversation and it's in vogue, you know, to have this uh, this conversation at a publishing house. It's in vogue to have publishing town halls, but it's still not quite all the time in vogue to actually commit to making the changes. Right. Oh, so that was fascinating to me. Your dialogue is, you know, so wonderful. And I Thank particularly you. appreciated the inner monologue of Nella because you <laughs> really get, you know, she's just, you know, it's poignant and it's powerful. You really get an understanding of, you know, who she is in this context. And I think uh, that can help readers really get a sense of, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, really enter into her experience in ways that I think sometimes people just don't get. Why is it yeah. different? Why would she react that way? So it seems to me that, I don't know, maybe that, that was the hardest part for you or not. Tell me. I'm just curious in it, capturing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, as a person, for me, I am all about inner dialogue. I am very much an overthinker in a lot of ways that Nella is. And so... I think the harder thing for me was making sure I'm not overwhelming the reader with all of her thoughts um, and reactions to everything. But I do think that's really what I wanted to show to readers of just, again, it's like there are so many, I know there are a lot of really well-meaning people, a lot of well-meaning white people in the world of publishing and in other corporate industries like this as well. But I think we have to go deeper than what's being said and actually think about how that thing, whatever has been said, whether it's a passing comment that is related to, you know, how much money someone makes or the vacation that they took or like the third home that someone's bought. When you're talking to someone who is living in New York, a young person trying to make a living off of, frankly, really low pay, I think that publishing gives to entry-level employees, like, there, those things can also be harmful and hard to hear uh, as a young person, I think. And I don't know, just navigating that. And there aren't a lot of right answers for a lot of these kind of conversations that I put in the book in terms of like 
those kind of workplace conversations and then Nell and Malika's conversations about, you know, how, what's the best way to speak out about something? Do you speak out? Um, all of those things, those, they're hard conversations, but I really wanted to just put the reader in the shoes of the people having them, of, of Black women who are navigating these spaces, these conversations, trying to figure out how much of themselves they can show the world, show their coworkers, um, and how much they should keep to themselves. It's just, it's just so much. Like this, we just carry around so much on top of the job. And it's constant juggling. That's, I think, what you captured very well. And moment yeah. to moment. Now, do, do I say this? Do I not say this? Do I, you mm-hmm. know, because it's really, it was, that, that came across very well. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley. And I'm speaking with Zakia Dalila Harris, the author of the novel, The Other Black Girl. It's our July selection for Bookmark, the Under the Radar book club. Now, who do you see as the audience for this book? have a reason for asking. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I love this question because I always, for me, when I was writing this book, I was thinking about myself and all the ways I've navigated these spaces throughout my life and other Black people who have been navigating these spaces. I thought of my parents, the generations before them. And I really was writing this book for for Black women, for Black people, Uh who don't feel like they necessarily see themselves expressed in in books um, in this way. Uh, I wanted to talk about hair, black hair, and not go into the details about it. Just put it in there, the three C, the four C, all of those conversations that we already are having. Um, I wanted to just put them in as they are and the references, uh, all of those things are parts of who I am, parts of a lot of black women I know and I wanted to really make that demographic feel seen. But this book also, in my opinion, for, I mean, white readers, white readers who work in publishing, of course, I definitely want this book to start those conversations and then also take those conversations again into action, but also just readers to, to see us in all of our, all of our diverse beauty uh, as black people we have varying kinds of thoughts, varying opinions on things. Um, so that's another faction. And then I'm just going to keep going. The last thing I'll say is I, I really want this book to just be fun for people. I There are so many serious things in it. I want people to, to really chew on all of the topics about, you know, code switching, microaggressions, work-life balance, all of it. But I also want it to be fun. I want people to to look, you know, listen to the music from the, uh, I made a playlist for this book. It was so much fun to <laughs> oh, make. Wow. Like, yeah. Like listen to the music, look up the references, like all of those things. Cause I, it, I really want it to just be enjoyable and, and also scare people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, did, I was going to make the point. Well, first of all, I was going to say two things. Um, I thought the, the, the hair references and some of the other cultural references uh, was very much Juno Diaz like uh, Juno mm. Diaz yes. puts in the language. You got to go with it or and go figure it out yep. or not. You know, that's just mm-hmm. so that's what I thought of when I when I read it in that way. And I also wanted to make clear to people who are listening that it is not a heavy book. It's not like, OK, here's what we're going to talk right. about. It's very <laughs> right. fun. And um, there's so much going on. 
nobody seems to know how quite to describe it. Thriller is what we've all come <laughs> down to, but we can say it's a mystery, it's a thriller. You know, it has so many things. Uh, you're crossing so many genres with a little soupçon of uh, horror. How do you describe it? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it depends on the day. That's probably not what I'm supposed to say. But I mean, because when I was, you know, having worked in publishing too, I know the ways like the jargon works. Like this is this meets this. And I know that the this is have to be good. This is that are current and recent and people will be like, yes, you know. And so, I mean, get out. Yes. Devil Wars Prada, Stafford Wives, I'd even say, um, I reach back into that. But I say horror tinged. Workplace yeah. mm-hmm. thriller, um, but I do like to say suspense. It's a slow burn. I was channeling my own love of like Rosemary's Baby. Of um, I mean, Get Out's not quite a slow burn, but even Twilight Zone. I, I watched that show a lot when I was a kid, and the way that Rod Serling would really kind of take you in with his monologue in the beginning, and it things would often start off in a seemingly benign kind of space and then just go off the rails in yeah. 30 minutes. Yes. I just thought that was so brilliant. And again, the ways in which he's able to, the ways in which that show uh, is able to get at these kind of topics, but through an entertaining way. Uh, that was really, that was really my goal while writing. And that's what I hope readers will take away as well. No, you definitely got it. And in fact, you know, at first, you know, when I'd heard about it a little bit and I knew that there was horror tinged, as you said, I'm not a horror girl. So I was like, I don't know. (laughs) And then I kept thinking, all right, people are saying that I got to read it. So but I will say to all readers that slow burn, I was I didn't realize until afterwards my shoulders were all hunched up and I was like breathing fast (laughs) because I didn't know what was going to happen. It was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Now what's going to happen? Now what's going to happen? (laughs) So so you had a lot of that going on. You definitely achieved, you know, all of that. But the reason I ask you about who was the audience for you is that it reminds me of a lot of um, movies and sometimes Mm -hmm. cartoons that the parents can get a whole other level of information that the kids never get, you know, that, that, and it's yes. deliberately put in there for both audiences. Yeah. So you can completely read it um, just as uh, we've described this thriller, horror, whatever. And then you can go, if you care to, and resonate on a deeper level with some of the other stuff going on um, that mm-hmm. might just strike young Black women in a different way than they would other audience members. But it's quite accessible to every. No, no, nobody's going to be confused about mm-hmm. <laughs> what's happening. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You'll know what's happening. You have quite an imagination, I will say. <laughs> so there is that. Let's get another, uh, get you to read another piece of the book. I am interested in page 242. All She was reaching for a metal spoon from the drying rack when the sizzling of the Keurig was overpowered by the sound of footsteps behind her. Hey, Hazel, how's it going? Nella spun around and saw Sophie, red-cheeked and now highly embarrassed. Oh, sh- she said. Nella, I am so sorry. I thought you were. Yeah, said Nella, glaring at her. I think I know exactly what you thought. She dipped her spoon into her mug, grabbed some jasmine, and tossed it into the sink. It's just that, Sophie stopped. Well, did you realize you two are wearing the same color today? Are we? Nella looked down at the eggplant sweater that she'd pulled over her head a few hours earlier. 
She hated this particular sweater. It was too small and too itchy and the tag always stood up in the back, but she'd barely had time to pick anything else. Lately, her body had been waking her up at all sorts of irregular times in the middle of the night, and when sleep did come back to her, it was usually half an hour or so before she needed to actually get out of bed. Hazel's sweater is purple too, Sophie pointed out, even though Nella's question had been rhetorical. It's a very different purple. Yeah, I remember them being pretty similar, actually. No, said Nella, a bit more forcefully. I'm pretty sure Hazel is wearing lilac. She was sure of this because she'd caught herself eyeing the girl's bell sleeve sweater enviously earlier in the morning when Hazel had wheeled her chair over to ask her how to set up a conference call. Nala had helped her, delivering the same spiel she gave new assistants, but it had been hard. Her spiraling sense of self-worth had started to encroach upon her sanity, her sanity upon her sleep, and her sleep upon her ability to be a functioning human being at work. A functioning human being who was able to forgive and forget the fact that a colleague had mistaken her for a dreadlocked girl who was four inches taller than her. That's my guest, Zakia Delilah Harris, the author of the novel, The Other Black Girl. That is such a common experience, I'm sorry <laughs> to say, for many, yeah. <laughs> many of us. So I thought that was well taken. And I also thought um, you were able to convey in that uh, scene the sort of guilt that Nella has, too, about feeling bad about, you know, that Hazel is well-regarded, which comes mm-hmm. through. And, you know, what does that mean for her um, as a stand-up yeah. Black person? <laughs> you know, yeah. what, what it, so the, I appreciated your exploring those that theme through the book. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, and also the, the pressure that, that Black women feel to really, we, we want to be supportive um, but then also, I mean, in terms of the book, I, I don't want to give too much away, but no, don't, don't, yeah, don't. <laughs> yeah. But like things, things are, are different. Hazel has a different experience uh, yes, than does. Nella does. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. and the fact that she's, you know, having this experience and Nella hasn't after being there for as long as she has, it, it, it eats at her. Mm-hmm. So. I always ask my authors this, what do you want readers to take away primarily? I mean, they'll get many things, but what what primarily would you like? Yeah, I think I just want, again, readers to take away another another, um, example of of Blackness, just another example, not the only example, um, but just, I mean, more than four. There are the four kind of main characters in the book. Then there's Hazel, there's Malika. Uh, there, there, there are just so many different women in this book, and they're all so different. And I want that to be really the takeaway of how we are just again such a beautiful, diverse, sometimes messy, and we should be allowed to be a group of people. Well, you achieved it all very well, <laughs> and we'll be looking <laughs> for a book two from you. Not right away. You can take a break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's been such a blast chatting with you today. I've enjoyed it too. Zakia Delilla Harris is the author of The Other Black Girl, her first novel, and our July selection for Bookmarked, the Under the Radar Book Club. It's available in bookstores and online now. That's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. We're on the web at wgbh.org news under the radar with Callie Crossley and available for download wherever you get your podcasts. 
Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH, produced by Hannah Ubley and Angela Yang, and engineered by Dave Goodman. Our intern is Iptisam Imaliki. Our theme music is Fish and Chips by We Are Two Saxies, Grace Kelly and Leo P. See you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday. I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening. Thank you.